Welcome to episode 48 of Honestly Unbalanced. This week we chat to the wonderful Adele Bridges. Adele is an international yoga teacher, she's a health coach and an author who grew up in Mississippi and she moved to the UK which is the place that she says she feels most drawn to now and after a few years of wandering aimlessly through life she found yoga. Adele spent a couple of years traveling as a nomad around the whole world teaching yoga and continuing her training in various areas of mindfulness and movement. Adele calls herself a self-proclaimed geek and applies her degree in psychology with her yoga teaching and her yoga training. She also shares all of her wisdom with her online community, which is called Move with Adele. We love this episode, love chatting to Adele, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. And if you do, as always, it would mean so much if you take just two seconds to leave us a five-star review just to spread the magic and the love of Honestly Unbalanced far and wide. Thank you so much and enjoy. Honestly Unbalanced. Yeah, Instagram was actually a huge part of me getting into yoga I had been to a few yoga classes previously, but I walked out of them thinking, ugh, yoga, boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was um, when I had, I was, well, I was in a kind of stressful point in my life, and a friend of mine had introduced me to this app that had simple little yoga classes on it. And my sister, at the same time told me like, you should get on Instagram and follow these people. They do yoga and it's really cool. And I was like, huh? Yoga, yoga's boring. What's Instagram? Uh, but then, yeah, I started following these people and, and seeing that yoga and I was, yeah, I was attracted to the arm balances, the inversions, all the cool stuff. Cause my background is in gymnastics. So, so I was like, okay, yoga has got like a bit more going on than just like the, <laughs> the kind of boring stuff that I had been introduced to in, in the very, you know, kind of basic community classes in Wales that I had attended. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was that, but also getting more involved with some of the Instagram like yoga challenges mm. because, you know, as I started to get more into yoga, I was doing it at home on this app. At first I didn't have a yoga mat. I was like slipping around on my carpet <laughs> and, um, and I didn't have, you know, all the, the cool yoga leggings. And I was on Instagram seeing people using these like really nice mats and wearing the cool yoga leggings and stuff. But um, I was in a job that paid about 14000 a year. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, if I do this Instagram challenge, I could win a pair of leggings. Um, and so I started doing a bunch of Instagram challenges. And through that, I found this community of, of people all over the world. And and just was able to learn so much about yoga that I, I had no idea. I mean, when I first started yoga, I, I thought it was, I didn't know the difference between yoga and Pilates, for example. Mm. I thought I was like, I guess they're the same thing. I don't know. So it was through Instagram. I learned about things like mudras. I learned about the philosophy the you know, the, the whole tradition and history of it, um, the breathing aspect of it, all of these things I learned through following these Instagram yogis and doing the Instagram challenges. Um, and then I 
and and yeah, about six months into that, I was hooked, and there was no going back. So sometimes people kind of ignore that fact, don't they? When back back in the day, you know, I remember so many people used to say, "Oh no, Instagram." Yeah, people still say this, but people really used to say, "You know, you can't put photos of yourself doing yoga on social media. That's not real yoga." And people kind of ignore how many people were introduced to yoga through that. It was it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful marketing of yoga, and yes at that stage a lot of what was on instagram was very you know big poses big back bends you know big inversions etc but nonetheless it drew people in and i guess like other gymnasts or former gymnasts you were drawn in by the incredible poses but as you say you were then you then learned about mudras it was like a a gateway drug the inversions yeah. are like a, <laughs> a gateway drug to deeper stuff yeah totally it's i mean it's like anything you know there's there's multiple paths up to the summit of the same mountain and and instagram is you know you it's it it's so many things you can use it in so many different ways and of course there are people like using like hashtag yoga for things that are nothing to do with yoga of course <laughs> people are misusing it of course there's stuff out there that's absolutely abominable but um but that doesn't mean that it can't be actually really really helpful and and educational and inspiring that's so interesting i've never heard of anyone's journey starting yoga journey starting with instagram you know finding teachers on instagram and learning from them it always seems to be you you find a physical teacher in real life and then kind of go from there so after you learned a lot from Instagram did you then kind of find a teacher that you went to classes and then eventually did your training how did it sort of work from then yeah yeah there like I was living in Cardiff at the time and there was uh, a yoga teacher he's probably still teaching now he had been teaching for you know decades and and I I had gone to his class prior to all of this and I was just like eh. I don't know but then as as i got back into <laughs> yoga and like because i i just did once i got into it i was just doing it at home with the app because when i had gone to this this yoga teacher's class previously there was nothing wrong with his way of teaching it was just that i didn't i was i didn't know what warrior two was you know and he would be like exhale warrior two and i'd be like well, what am i supposed to do oh and i was like looking around and i just I was embarrassed, um, which is totally on me, of course, you know, um, and, but after getting into it and then learning the names of these poses and stuff by using the app, I, I did start going back to his classes as well as another yoga teacher. Um, and, and that was, yeah, that was pretty good for me, but I can't say I have, I ever felt like I had like one teacher that mm -hmm. was like, the person that I went to over and over again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, yeah, the only person that I would, the only yoga teacher that I would say was like truly somebody that, that made a huge impact on me as a person and as a yoga practitioner and as a yoga teacher was the, the woman who ran the 200 hour training that I went to in India, um, who just, yeah, she was just very, very influential for me, but I didn't actually take that many yoga classes from her. So. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is the teachers you learn from, 
they don't need it doesn't need to be explicit lessons do they i think from yoga teachers you learn by their way of being Mm. you observe them and they're the teacher that i love the most the ones that really feel like yoga is part of them and who they are and how they act rather than yoga is just a thing they teach i love what you're doing on your instagram as well because obviously you know adam and i have a stalk before we interview our guests and it's it's always refreshing when you see someone that is you know amazing all of the physical stuff you say you'll you love your handstands and all the inversions but also you put so much into your posts you really spend time thinking about what to write and uh, a lot of personal development and um, mind power stuff as well so did you kind of get into that personal development journey I suppose at the same time as yoga did it uh, did it align at the same time or was one before or the other or how did it how did that aspect come into it I think I, I've always been interested in human behavior I did my degree in psychology I've always loved diving into uh, anything to do with the brain and how the brain works because you know the brain is the, the brain is the reason that we do everything and and think everything that we think and um, and so I've always felt like if, if you can understand how the brain works then you can you've got an element of control over whatever situation um, so I think that's a huge part of it but then also yeah, I guess I don't, I've always kind of navigated towards things that, um, that are a deep dive into the kind of inner workings of a human being, whether that mm. human being is other people or myself. My, uh, my 20s were like filled with roles in part-time jobs, like just basic like admin roles and stuff. Cause I, uh, I graduated, I, I after I did my my bachelor's degree in psychology, I decided it would be fun to get my master's degree in creative writing. Wow. <laughs> and so I got a master's degree in creative writing and I graduated right as the uh, the world economy collapsed. Mm. And oh. so for me, it was a matter of just getting like whatever job I could get. So I was like working all these part-time jobs, but I always found a way to, um, I don't know. I was always interested in kind of the 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 human side of things, I guess, the stories of the people that I was working with, whatever job mm. that was. Um, and so, I, yeah, I guess it's just a kind of innate thing for me to to always be looking at the um, the psychology or the sociology or the I don't know. If, whateverology <laughs> of of things do you think that helped at all with like the growth of your like social media in that like just human behavior so for instance you know you one of the first people i saw at least to do posts like you know instead of doing this try this or if you want to go here try there like you seem to be kind of a leader in the creation of things that have now become really common on social media so do you think that understanding of human behavior helped you find new ways to engage and kind of draw people in and educate maybe uh i think i think that what has helped me a lot with that that creative take on how to present things on social media is because i am like your typical distracted um 
scrolling fast, just looking for like the thing that's going to catch my attention, scrolling past anything. Like if, if something doesn't capture my attention in like two seconds, then you've lost me. Um, I want, you know, I, I'm like that, the typical person like that. So I just expect everybody to be the same. And so you, so I've always wanted to present information as best as possible, as, as, as much as I can in the most punchy and easy to consume and quick to understand way. And, and but that's actually really, really difficult to do. You know, if you've ever tried to like, I don't know, write a short story in a hundred words mm. or something like this, it's the, the more compact something is, the more difficult it is. And I've always found that really enjoyable. Um, a, a, part of like a, a creative process to, mm. to do that. So um, that's, I think, I don't know, I suppose that kind of um, goes into the human behavior mm -hmm. side of it though, like understanding how short people's attention spans are these <laughs> days, especially on social media, especially on Instagram. Yeah, I don't think it's just you. I think it's every single person, <laughs> it's a two second <laughs> attention span. Yeah. It's a cute cat. Oh I'm yeah, there. cats. We're there. We're there for the cats. Start every. Uh, start every, every. Every post you do from now on is a video. Starts with an animal and that hooks people in. Uh, do you ever struggle with inspiration? You know, I, I'm not sure how often you post, but do you ever sort of feel a bit stuck or um, stagnant with social media? And where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, I. I mean, I think probably my best posts, especially the ones around Asana, have come from when I'm either teaching a class and I'm in front of a room full of people or I'm taking a class as a, a student um, and and I see where people struggle and I see, um, you know, maybe a lot of common mistakes and I think, okay, that's, yeah, this is something that people don't know about, I should tell them. Uh, but very much, yeah, whenever I'm, maybe I haven't been teaching in person for a while uh, and I haven't made it to a yoga class in a while and I've just been doing my self-practice and teaching online where I can't see the other people and, and all of this, then I start to, you know, I'm just kind of in my own head and it's like, I know what I know, but I don't know what other people don't know. I, you know, and, and so, yeah, very much um, can struggle with that inspiration, but yeah, usually then I just kind of go through, um, maybe go through some emails where people have asked me questions and I've saved it to get back to their, their email later or something, or, or I'll like run a little poll on my Instagram stories asking people what they want to know, yeah. that kind of thing. And that usually revives my creative process. How have you found that they're not teaching in person? I guess because you mainly teach internationally for, I know, like you travel mm. around a lot, you, 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 your focus is more the workshops and the conferences and the retreats rather than the day-to-day -day classes. And then for you, then for that to, to be taken away, there's really, really like less person-to-person -person contact. How have you got through that? Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my whole yoga teaching career, I think has been very unusual, but the, uh, obviously I miss teaching in-person classes and I'm so looking forward to a few upcoming classes that I finally get to teach and also kind of nervous, like, oh my gosh, have I forgotten how to teach people in mm. person? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but um, in many ways, I've, I've really enjoyed being able to just teach online because I think it does actually 
it, it works well with my, my, I suppose, like where I'm comfortable. And it's, it means I don't have to worry about a lot of the things that I'm kind of uncomfortable with, with mm. teaching. <laughs> so like, I've never been big on hands-on adjustments. Mm. I'm, I'm just not a touchy feely person. And I'm also, I'm that person in a yoga class when the teacher says, if you don't want hands-on adjustments, raise your hand. I'm like, don't touch me. <laughs> so, and I mean, nothing against it at all, but it's just for me, I would rather people feel in, in their own bodies mm. and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so teaching online has been a, a nice excuse not to have to touch people because, you know, sometimes I will, you know, um, it's, I think that any yoga teacher will tell you that there are there are times when it's it's important for whatever reason, whether it's an alignment thing or just, a, you know, a, just a human yeah. need thing yeah. uh, to to have that kind of skin on skin or, or just a human touch kind of connection but um but whenever i do it i'm pushing myself pushing myself outside of my comfort zone um and so teaching online has allowed me to stay in my comfort zone in that regard like, do you think there are certain expectations of you then like when you travel that people think okay you're going to be you're going to be this person you're going to do these certain things and there's going to be lots of hands-on stuff like, and and what makes you feel i guess the pressure to meet those expectations like it's particularly with regards to cysts i guess you might think that pe people imagine that you are going to be hands-on so what makes you feel that you you still have to try and be that or the press or, or you know what i mean well a lot of it's just been part of my own my own development as a yoga teacher i mean for the first few years i was i just felt i felt that pressure and um and I would force myself to do it because it was like, well, I have to, everybody says that you have to do that as a yoga teacher. And, um, and that, you know, it's a huge part of yoga teacher trainings and, and everything. And then as I started just, I guess, becoming more mature as a yoga teacher, I realized like, what if I just don't mm -hmm. do it? And, and I'm just, what if I'm just a yoga teacher who doesn't do hands-on adjustments? Like, <laughs> hey, that could be a thing. Like nobody, there's no like police out there like that's gonna arrest yoga teachers who mm. don't do hands-on adjustments, you know? Um, and so- <laughs> It should be so the other I, way around. It should be, there should be police yeah. out there actually taking <laughs> on teachers yeah. that, that pull people's hamstrings <laughs> or get a little bit weird. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, the police needs a new division. Mm. Um, I, I would be quite happy for my my tax money to go to that because my <laughs> goodness yeah the, the, there's yeah uh i there's there's yeah exactly there's way more horror stories out there yeah. of people of people getting adjusted than people not getting adjusted mm. right so so yeah nowadays i um i try and remember to just tell people i, I you know give people a little bit of a i i manage their expectations i i suppose i tell them like look i'm i'm I want you to learn for yourself. I want you, and I very often, I, I cue people to put their hands on their hips and feel their hips or put, put your hand on your shoulder or whatever and feel for themselves uh, their own bodies. Because for me, I the, the core of my teaching, what I'm always after is to give people the tools and the information that they need so that they don't need anybody else then yeah, to tell them yeah. what to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of like trying to put myself out of a job in a way and get people to the point where 
they don't they don't need to feel like they have to go to a yoga class and be told what to do mm. but rather they know for themselves already that is that is what i always strive for um and yeah so so i do try and manage people's expectations and um and I sometimes when I know that there's like people in the room being like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've followed her on, on Instagram for years. And I can see that they're like they've got these like stars <laughs> in their eyes and stuff. And I'm like, OK, stop. <laughs> hang on. Look, I'm just I'm just a normal person. I'm just a yoga teacher. I just happen to have had some luck with the algorithm or something like Aww. I'm not special. And so, I'll you know, I'll do a little bit at the beginning, like let go of your expectations. Mm. Is that, that is that ever stuff. something that you have to, to tackle? your your ego as in I mean I know everyone does but in in that context you know um, with people who have stars in their eyes do you ever feel that you have to battle with your ego in some sense not in a like oh my gosh Adele like get some humility kind of way because mm. for me it's the opposite like the more star the more starstruck somebody seems to be the more I'm I'm like okay no 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 okay I, I'm going to show this person how human and how real mm. I am and mm. I'll like pick my nose or something <laughs> um because the last thing I want is for for anybody to put me on a pedestal mm. because I, I just I don't want to have to live up to those expectations but also like I kind of I find like the whole guru thing a bit icky yeah because mm. I think that I think that we are our own gurus I think our bodies are our guru and mm. of course we can have teachers and guides and and we can gain inspiration and of course we we're you know we're human beings. We're social animals. We need each other. But at the end of the day, nobody can uh, can tell you more about yourself than you can when you really learn to look in and listen mm. and and learn that language that your body speaks. Mm. Which is exactly what yoga gives you, isn't it? It's that that journey of going within and the self inquiry that you can't get from from looking outside of you all of the time. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. When- That's my take on it. Anyway. Yeah. When we think about like international teaching, like you really are very much an international teacher in that you've taught in many countries, workshops, training, retreats, etc., for a long time. You know, every, everyone kind of calls himself an international teacher now on their Instagram, you know, which might mean I, <laughs> I taught I taught a retreat once in one country and I'm an international teacher. But you you are that. And I guess a lot of people aspire to be that. Hence people saying, I'm an international teacher despite the teaching in one country. People want to be seen as a, an international teacher. And I, I guess I wonder for you, or I want, I guess, our listeners to understand like, how, what kind of lifestyle that really is. Like people do put that on a pedestal and think, oh, it must be wonderful just traveling the world, teaching yoga. And actually the amount of work it took for you to get there. And actually there is some cost to teaching internationally so maybe you could speak a little bit to that yeah sure so like I said earlier I think my career as a yoga teacher has been very unusual because after I finished my 200 hour and of course probably like most people I walked out of my 200 hour going I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. I don't know how to be a yoga teacher what um but I had already built up a pretty big following on Instagram by then. And I was, I, I found that I was being asked to teach more than I felt, more than I would have put myself in that situation mm. if, if it weren't for all of that. Um, 
I probably would have, I probably would have gone back to Wales after my 200 hour and, and immediately signed up for another teacher training or something like this. And in fact, I did, um, I did actually sign up then for like some supplemental courses, but, um, but I probably, I don't know if I would have gone into teaching quite as quickly as I did. And especially I, I really only taught like those like what people think of when they think of yoga teachers like going to a studio like um and teaching you know your regular time slot day in and day out i only did that for about eight months before i then started traveling and um and it's just i i just had the opportunity to to go and travel and assist another yoga teacher and so i was like well i'm not saying no to this but then deciding to be nomadic um, and, and knowing that I, I had this, this perhaps once in a lifetime opportunity to just be completely free and not have an address and just live out of a suitcase and travel the world. Um, I, I went for it. And meanwhile, my Instagram was growing and, and more and more people were seeing me. And I, I learned that, yeah, I learned very quickly that people made the assumption that then that I had been teaching for years and years and years and I hadn't um and well hang on <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent what was That's the question okay. but there was no real I question it was more just speaking about international teaching just keep, and like just keep how, flowing how fun or hard okay. it is or whatever so you just carry on <laughs> right just flow <laughs> sorry the uh, the lack of sleep is it's getting to me oh okay um yeah, yeah. So my Instagram was growing, and and I knew that. Um, and I mean, I hustled as well. Uh, you know, I was reaching out to everybody and anybody, and asking for for work. And I was teaching anything that I could: privates, mm. classes, retreats. I, you know, I was even. I ended up in Nicaragua teaching gymnastics to a oh, group wow. of little girls. <laughs> um, I mean, I was just doing everything that I could and taking every opportunity that I could, but I took it. I also, I, I felt incredibly um, outside of my comfort zone and out of my depth, but I took it very, very seriously. I didn't want to just be one of those yoga teachers who had a big Instagram following and got invited to teach at festivals and stuff, but then wasn't any good. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I like, above all else, I wanted to just be my best. And I mean, I think that part of being a yoga teacher, like part of kind of coming into that confidence in what you teach, it just takes time and it takes experience. And so, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I probably went places and taught workshops where the, the, the students and the teachers and, um, and the studio were like, uh, okay, we're not asking her back. That was crap. Um, <laughs> and, um, so, so in that regard, it was, it was always, I always put a lot of pressure on myself, um, but continued, tried to continue always learning, um, but then, I mean, I had, it was an amazing experience as well. The um, almost two years that I was nomadic, it, it was, oh gosh, so, so stressful. So, so hard on me physically and emotionally mm -hmm. because 
I was hustling, like I said, I was taking any opportunity I could. And so sometimes that meant that I would, um, you know, I would teach a workshop in one part of the world. And then the next weekend I was teaching workshops in another part of the world. And um, so I'm on airplanes all the time. And I, I remember having a moment where I was like at the baggage carousel waiting for my suitcase to come out. And I, and I was like, for a solid like three minutes racking my brain, like what country am I in? <laughs> I could not remember where I was. And, and it's incredibly lonely as well. Yeah. Mm. And I didn't realize at the time, I think, just how much of a toll that took mm. on me physically as well as mentally and emotionally. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. There's there's some studies that have shown that loneliness is uh, more, it it's, what's like, what's the terminology? Um, it's like, affects longevity mm. more than obesity and smoking i can believe uh, that yeah. actually yeah i can believe that and yeah and having been very lonely and and in that way like that lonely while you're surrounded by people kind yeah, of way yeah first for those those years that i was traveling i was like yep I can believe that. Mm. I might not name drop a little book that is about that. It's uh, Lost Connections by, what's his oh, name again? Oh, um, Johan, Johan Harry, is that his name? No, isn't that the guy that... Lost Connections. That's, yeah, that's the depression book, isn't it? About where he takes the antidepressants. Yeah. That is it's him. It's wonderful. Lost Connections. Yeah, he so talks about loneliness and it, a lot, That's yeah. All, yeah, all about loneliness and uh, our need for connection to something. Yeah. And yeah. I guess, as you say, although you might be traveling the world, you're seeing people all the time, but are you like connecting with people? And that is the thing, isn't it? When you see people for yeah. a two-hour workshop or just a weekend or even mm. a five-day retreat, a lot of that time is still alone, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't feel lonely the whole time but it's just kind of like yeah you go and you you teach a workshop to a big group of people and afterwards they want photos with you and stuff yeah. and you feel great and you feel that connection with people absolutely you know some of the places I went to the the studio owners might let me stay at their house and I would get oh. to like hang out with their whole family and with their kids and everything and um and that was all great but then it's just that kind of like when you leave and then you're sitting on that airplane seat on your own You've just said goodbye to all those people and you're about to show up in another country where you have to start that whole process mm. over again. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, and that's where it kind of like really gets to you, I think. And it's a big shift in energy levels as well, isn't it? In that when you're on a plane, to some degree, you know, you can turn off, you don't need to be nice to anyone or be charming. Mm. But then when the other extreme is, yes, when you're teaching a class, obviously there's a lot. But even as you say, when you go to the host house and have dinner with them, you're still yeah. very, very present. So you might have a, a 40 hour window where from almost wake up to going to bed, you are having to be someone and having to be yeah. nice and uh, yeah, being nicer than effort for me. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel that you had, um, uh, when you were hustling and, and traveling around the world, did you have a sort of long, longer term vision for yourself or was it very much just, let's see where this takes me? I think you said somewhere that you felt that this was really your calling to be a teacher. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I I don't remember ever feeling like I necessarily had a long-term plan. It was very much a kind of like, let's just see how things go. And mm. especially while I was nomadic, one of the reasons that I decided to, I literally got rid of all of my stuff apart from what I could 
put in my suitcase. Mm. Um, and that was, that was partly because I, um, I had been living in Wales for like almost, you know, I think 12 years at that point. Mm. And, and I had never intended to stay in Wales beyond university. And I mean, I love Wales. I, and I, I hope one day I can live there again. But mm. at the time I was like, I, I got to get out. Um, but I didn't know where I wanted to go because my only, the, as far as I could see, the only other option I had was to move back to Mississippi where I grew up, which mm. is just, it's not really an option. <laughs> um, and um, so I always would say that I was like dating countries because I think I do feel like just as we have relationships with other humans, we have like a kind of relationship with the cities and the places where we live. And, you know, there's there's places that you go to and you just feel like oh, I'm home. And and so I was like, yeah, I was like going around and everywhere I went, I'd be like, hmm, I wonder if this could be somewhere that I live. And so, yeah, eventually after about a year and a half, I was, I was getting really, really exhausted. And I, and I started really actively trying to hone in on specific cities that I felt I, I could make my home. And, um, and so that, yeah, that was a big turnaround for me when I settled in London. And then I learned that I could kind of get the best of both worlds where I could have this base in London and develop a circle of friends and a bit of a routine and a community there, but then also go and travel. Mm. But in terms of like career, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm making it up as I go along. Like every I think everyone is. Yeah. Single day at a time. <laughs> this whole period you know the covid period changed your view at all in that you know now that you haven't been able to travel so much and the international work has not dried up but has got quieter depending on where you are has it changed perspective and desires for the future well it definitely showed me as i'm sure it showed pretty much everybody else just how much you can do online mm. and of course there's drawbacks of course teaching yoga online is never going to be the same as being in person and I think that we need those in-person um, experiences 100% but you can reach so many more people and you can connect in a different way mm. online um, and so that was that was huge for me because I I mean I had classes like I had YouTube classes and 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 a few classes on, on a platform um, but um, I had never taught like a live yoga class until COVID. And after that, I was like, why didn't I think of this mm. before? Because I had people messaging me from like middle of nowhere, Canada, New Zealand, and, and everywhere in between saying like, you know, like tagging me in their Instagram stories, like I'm practicing with Adele or whatever. Mm. And I was just like, this is pretty incredibly cool to be able to simultaneously be leading people through this practice in like yeah like so many different countries all at once and I thought mm. that was really cool it's a funny one isn't it the the online yoga now in that the situation meant we all had to explore online yoga and the students were more keen to do online yoga and of course there's always been non-live platforms you know there's been a few over the years I'm sure whatever app you were doing initially that was in some sense you know an online yoga thing but I do wonder to what degree 
people will want to continue online. Like all of my classes pretty much are live streamed and you know, online platform like you. And I, I wonder, will people continue? And there's just no way of knowing. And I think there's always going to be a place for teachers, you know, like especially like yourself that have big reputation or big following. Like you're always going to be able to get a good number of people in those live classes. But it's interesting for the newer teachers or the teachers that don't have a big following or don't have a big mailing list and, and how the yoga world looks for them going forwards. Yeah. Yeah, it must be so tough. I mean, it's always been tough being a new yoga teacher, but um, especially now. But, you know, I've always felt like w one way that I was I was very fortunate was, as I said, I, I left my 200-hour training feeling like I knew nothing and I needed more training. But then also I had the opportunity to assist another yoga teacher for several weeks um, in, in his workshops. And... And that was hugely beneficial. And I've always thought, wouldn't it be better if after you finish your 200 hour, you, that qualifies you to assist other yoga teachers, mm. but not teach yourself? Because I think, you know, there's there's been this conversation for years in the yoga world, like how 200 hours is really insufficient most of the time, unless people have an existing background in subjects that kind of lead into mm. teaching yoga and movement and that kind of thing. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, even, you know, as they say, like there's like no other profession on earth that, that you get a license to do stuff to other people after <laughs> just four weeks, you know? Yeah. And so, so, I mean, I, I always encourage people that are new to teaching yoga to ask their yoga teachers, all their yoga teachers that they know, um, if they can help them, if they can be their assistant and learn from them. Uh, and so that's perhaps one way. It's really hard. Like, the Jiva Mukti school are quite good for that, aren't they? In the, in the Jiva Mukti world, you, I think you get a mentor. I don't know if, if it's yeah. called that but you get a mentor and you have to do so many hours with them in the room. It's, but it's really, really complex, isn't it? Because then we think about assisting and then when we think about assisting a class, often you think hands-on assistance, mm. hand-on adjustments. And actually my view is that a lot of the people that have just qualified probably, and I don't really like hands-on assists anyway, but especially not someone who is just qualified and mm. only done four weeks of training assisting me. And it's 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 really it's really really complex. When I when I have people who who've worked who've been a student for years and say, "Can I assist your class?" I'm like, "Well, you can sit in the corner and watch, <laughs> but don't yeah. touch anyone. Don't do anything." <laughs> which is which is helpful as well. I did a mentor yeah. course with um, one of my teachers, and and she said, "No uh, hands-on assisting. You just you just watch." And yeah. at first, I thought, "Oh, it's a bit. You know, I kind of want to get involved." But you you learn so much from watching and listening to a teacher yeah. in a real life class as well. So I think that's it's that's really valid as well. It's it's yeah. so hard, isn't it? The uh... but it could. I mean, when I say assist, I, I mean you know help out with. Coffee. Uh, all of the <laughs> coffee. <laughs> no, I mean, like, um, I suppose I'm I'm thinking about like in this this new world of of everything being online, like help out with the filming. Like, oh, hey, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be filming a couple of classes. Do you want to come by and help? Help mm. me set up my equipment. See how I do it. Um, you know, learn how to edit. Then be yeah. my video editor for me yeah. or something like that. Yeah. 
that's what I would love. You know, help me, help me, um, uh, like liaise with this the studio for me, um, setting up the times for my workshops. Here's my calendar. I don't know, like almost like more, more of a PA almost kind yeah. of thing. So then you whole business side of it, the whole yeah. Um, yeah, all of the behind the scenes, maybe even like I don't know, have have you could. Um, are you are you are you actively your... looking for a PA? Is this an elaborate? <laughs> <advert>? <laughs> I am. It's a great it's a great idea actually though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's wonderful. Like if you, of course, like it can only work for a very finite number of people, but yeah. it is a really wonderful idea of actually even making sure. Like I always say to students this: like if you're going to do a teacher training where possible, actually practice with the teacher you're going to do it with for mm. a good while first. Mm-hmm. Like really learn whether it be online or in person. Like actually yeah. get to know that teacher, get to know their style, re- you know, resonate with them. And yeah, because con- you are going to their their stuff is going to kind of like mm. bleed out into your teaching to begin mm. with until you find your own mm. voice. And then like, being committed to actually continuing to learn with them afterwards, and con- I think that's the most important thing, or one of them is actually consistency. Consistency in your education, but consistency in your practice as well. Yeah. And having one teacher, or you know, a handful of teachers that you have learned and developed with, I think is a really wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But also, sorry, I just thought of another thing to mm. add though. I, I, I also think that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice that it's almost like a survival of the fittest as well. Like, mm. because it is so hard when you're first getting started, yeah. if you, and you know, if you don't have that strong conviction, like that, this is something I want to do. This is something I feel compelled and called to do then it's going to be very easy to give up and maybe that's for the best, mm. you know? Yeah. And and you it's might not point. even, I would think, even like teaching yoga. Like it's mm. a whole, that's a whole, practicing it and teaching it is a whole different thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. entirely different, yeah. Your foot, you broke your foot, didn't you, a while <laughs> I was back? that was going. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah how, how was that? So as someone that moves, I'm just intrigued to, to know like how you dealt with that. You know, our, the podcast is called Honestly Unbalanced. You were <laughs> off balance yeah, literally. in every, in every <laughs> yes. sense there. Like, how did you, how did you get on with that? Like, what was your, how did you process? How did it happen? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, um, it's been so interesting going through all of this. Um, I mean, oh. I am trying, I'm sorry, my, my mind is just kind of spinning because I don't know, like, should I just stick to the basics or should I like go into like the longer story? Whatever feels um, good. <laughs> because, well, the, so to me, it's really interesting. I'm currently doing this, uh, this training in the neurology of movement and understanding just how, how much of, well, obviously the, the brain is everything, but like the different areas of the brain and the different areas of the brain that control different things and the and all of this kind of stuff. And like, for example, the role the vestibular system has, the role that the visual system has in our movement. And um, and so what's actually transpired in the last year that I didn't realize at first was that um, this this injury to my ankle was the, the, my left injury, my left ankle, um, it was just one in a long list of injuries to the left side of my body. Mm. And, and I kind of deduced, and I mean, this isn't a formal diagnosis, it's just a, a little bit of a, uh, a guess, but I think that I'm probably pretty, pretty spot on that when I, I had meningitis when I was a baby oh, gosh. and it affected my, 
I, I, my brain in some way that the whole left side of my body is more, is like less coordinated. It's clumsy. It's it almost, I've always been kind of like, why does my left arm feel kind of numb? <laughs> and, um, and through this neurology training, I, um, the, the, the doctor who kind of leads it, Dr. Cobb, he, he was like, he said, did you ever have meningitis? And I was like, yes. And he was like, oh, well, that, that would make sense. So, um, so my, my rehab for my ankle changed when, I mean, I kind of like re-entered rehab because I, I was, it was already completely healed and stuff when I figured this stuff out, but I was, it was healed, but my balance was still off. Like, you know, trying to do a one-legged balance on my left leg, it was just, it, you know, I'm just like falling all over the place. Whereas my right leg, I could, you know, I could stand there all day and <laughs> make myself a cup of coffee and, and everything without even thinking about the fact that I was just on my right leg. Um, so very, very unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's been really fun to, uh, to do like these little exercises to get areas of my brain more fired up that have helped my balance um, on my left foot because it was always bad Mm. before the injury. The injury Mm. just made it worse. Um, But I think that the reason that it was the left ankle that got injured on that climbing wall, I was bouldering, was also because I didn't have the the proprioception that was necessary to understand that my foot was in a very precarious position and it did not need to have my Mm. weight in it. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been, it's been so, so, so interesting. And, and do you know what? I think it was, I think we're around about the two year anniversary as well. Mm. It was, it was July, 2019. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, um, and even now, even now I still get asked about it. Like you guys just asked about it. Like people well, still ask me, like, t- still tell me like how they're inspired. Like they just got injured and they're inspired by me to keep moving mm. and all of this, because that's, that's something huge that came out of it. I was always posting on Instagram that I was still doing my yoga practice despite my foot being in a cast. Mm. But to me, it was like, well, yeah, I, I mean, it's just my foot, my, my ankle, the rest of my body still mm. works. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> but you were, you were quite open with the, the emotional aspect of it as well. Like you, sh- I, think, I just remember the, the one video that sticks to mind is a video of you doing something impressive. Then a second video of you like in tears, not doing it and falling yeah. out of mm-hmm. it, et cetera. Like, what was the, I guess not, not the toll on you emotionally, but you know, as a teacher, you, know, you relied upon to you know, do things with your body. And I guess with any kind of recovery, there is uncertainty. When you break something, will it be okay? Will it need fusing or the like? Uh, how did you, what helped you get through that on a kind of an emotional level? Was it the yoga that helped in that sense as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, like that, I think that video you're referring to, I, um, I was frustrated because I was just so, I felt trapped, you know? Um, like, like I'm trapped in this body that I can't do what I want to do in it. Mm. Um, and, um, and so that, that feeling of frustration was, was probably just, yeah, the, 
where where that kind of um, acceptance that we learn in yoga really helped, and also, you know, the the fact you know we always like to remember that nothing is permanent; everything is temporary, and um, and and then also, I think the the most helpful thing for me though was the fact that. Uh, I was learning so much. It was such a great opportunity to learn and, and to get creative and moving in different ways that um, I wouldn't have done before, mm-hmm. uh, but in order to avoid putting weight on my foot and um, and trying to keep balance in my body as well and not just do everything on my right leg. And, um, and so it was actually... It was it was so helpful to my yoga teaching because it gave me so much more insight and more more inf- information. It gave me more compassion for what it feels like to not be able to move your body the way that you want it to, uh, especially you know for people that it, for them it's not just an injury that's going to heal, but something that, that maybe they're they're dealing with for the rest of their lives. Um, and and it. Yeah, it, it just really, um, it gave me so much new information to work with. So I really feel like I was very lucky. To well, you'd you'd recommend it. You'd recommend, you'd recommend it. Recommend yeah, the well, <laughs> so I mean, I, I mean, kind of like don't. So in the yoga world, I think especially like we are so afraid of injuries. Mm. And I think yoga teachers are terrified of their students getting injured. And of course, no, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I want, I want to injure my students. Um, and I would hate it. I would be mortified if any, if anybody got injured because of something that I told them to do with their bodies. But you could but, reframe it as a gift. <laughs> well, I mean, but, uh, this is it. Like I, so I always say the injury is like heartbreak. It sucks. Mm. And and you know, you do everything that you can to avoid it. But as you know, anybody that will has been through heartbreak will say it gives you so much. It teaches you so much about yourself and about others, and it gives you so much more compassion. And it means that you've lived a little, mm. you know. Because what are you going to do? Like bubble wrap yourself and just like hold yourself off from the world to try and avoid that from happening? No. And so. So yeah, I mean, I think that, of course, don't go out and purposely injure yourself. Yoga teachers don't go out and purposely injure <laughs> your students. But if you are dealing with an injury, see it as a gift, as, a, as an opportunity to mm. learn. That's such a nice perspective, it, isn't it? It was one of the best things that happened to my teaching. Because I well, was, yeah, yeah I, I remember mine. seeing you. You were in a cast for a while, right? You yeah, and then a boot as well. But it meant, and I carried on teaching as normal, pretty much, just Ubers yeah. everywhere. You said it, your communication skills. My cues were, were so good. And I learned so much <laughs> about other bodies. I've never assisted a lot anyway. But, you know, for a good six, seven weeks, I literally could only sit at the front of the room on a chair. And so just watching people and watching like how they interacted with certain <laughs> cues. And when yeah. I teach training, advanced trainings now, so it's normally with teachers that currently teach, I will say to them, right, I want you to sit on a mat and teach a whole class without moving and as, as like a piece of homework. And that is... That's... It's really good for them. Oh, yeah. I want to try that now. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Do it with your, and with your eyes closed, maybe. So add to it. In a handstand. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> layers. Uh, let's, we're, we're on 51 minutes. So I'd love oh to do gosh. a little... Uh, oh, they so they always go quick. Some, yeah. some quick yeah. fires now. Some quick fire sure. questions. First, Lee, you've had 
relationships, intimate relationships with many countries, you've said. Which country at the moment... Just say, where's that going? Which which country do you think is on the top of the list, like the country that you have, you feel closest to? England. Oh, really? England and Wales is a close second. Mm. (laughs) What would you define success as? Being uh, content in yourself where you are and with what you've got mm. and what is what do you think in the future is going to make you content like what's that the 10-year plan <laughs> uh just to I, I suppose keep doing what i'm doing and trying my best every day to uh to detach from what the world tells us is success and remember that actually success is just that that inner peace and that calm Mm. that fulfillment and happiness that you find within yourself like as cheesy as it sounds uh, and and as much as i wish it wasn't true and there was a product out there that we could just buy Mm. and that would solve all of our problems um the the truth is that it is all just there within us Mm. and you can't see it and that is the issue Mm. when people judge success you can see the size of someone's car or the size of their house, but you can't see how content or happy they are, can you? Mm, that's a nice place to finish, I think. Any, oh, any, what quote, uh, any quote? All right, if you want, you like that question, don't go yeah. on then. Any quotes <laughs> or inspirational passage or words you say to yourself when you need motivation and look in the mirror and need a kick up the arse? Any, any phrase <laughs> spring to mind? Uh, well, my favorite quote of all time is, it's, um, it's from Shakespeare. The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Mm. And so if anybody, and I, you know, that always comes to mind when, when people um, come to me with questions and I can see that they, you know, they think that, that I know the answer to everything. And it's so easy for my ego to be like, oh, well, <laughs> let me tell you how it is. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. The, the more you think that you've got all the answers, the more foolish you actually are. I love that. I love that. Yeah, there's warm. so much ancient wisdom coming through in Shakespeare. It's really weird. Like so much Buddhism and Stoicism, like just peter through. Mm. Let's have a little breakdown of anything you want people to know about now. Like any website, platform, whatever. Sure. Well, um, I suppose, yeah, I'm kind of tunnel vision right now with my, my baby, my app, Move with Adele. Um, my new membership site that I just launched. And um, I mean, if I say so myself, I think it's pretty good. Mm. It's, um, Is it an app as well? I'm, Is it an app as well as a yeah, pl- online yeah, platform? Yeah, so you can access um, the web version, but yeah, you can download the Android or Apple app. Um, and it's, um, yeah, you can try it out for seven days for free. And after that, it's only $9.99 a month um, or $99 for a year. So it's it's really really affordable, and I'm uploading at least two new videos every week, and um, live classes, and uh, everything from vlogs and workshops to meditations, workouts, little yoga classes, mid-length yoga classes, full-length yoga classes, mm-hmm. guest teachers, guest speakers. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, you can check it out at www.movewithadele.com. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Pleasure. And hopefully we'll see you somewhere soon in person. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Honestly, Unbalanced.